every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kiper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Here we are on First Draft. we got a draft coming up, but all anybody wants to talk about this week, it seems like, is Odell Beckham. Is he worth two first-round picks? Is he not worth a first-round pick at all? Is he worth two twos? What is he worth? Guys, I wanted to bring this up because basically... More and more, we keep talking about great players throughout the league based on what they are worth in terms of draft currency because there's nothing more valuable than draft picks. Todd, when you saw the Giants essentially saying, well, we're not shopping Odell, but uh, if you have a, if you have a price, give us a call. Uh, you know, the shopping, non-shopping routine. What did you think? Did you think this guy's worth something to somebody or would you stay far away? This guy's worth worth a lot to somebody. I mean, I don't know that it's two two ones, but I mean, yeah, I know there have been plenty of receivers with some that are headaches, and I know this guy can be a headache. But you can't tell me he's not one of the top five, at least five receivers in the NFL. And so, if I can get a, a playmaker like that versus the fifty fifty proposition of a first round pick, then. I don't know. I mean, he's young enough. I, I just don't. Yes, there's a little bit of downside. You want him. You would want to put him in the the right situation, the right place, the right city. I guess. But Odell's going to do what Odell wants to do. And and the second you know practice is over, or he has a three day window. He's going to get on the plane, fly somewhere, and he's going to go <laughs> party and have fun. And that's it. I mean, so you got to you've got to. Do your due diligence on that side, and you got to know who your receiver coach is. You got to know who your coordinator is and head coach, and and kind of what their track record is with dealing with players like this, and exactly what the issues are with this player. And if you feel comfortable with it, and you're just talk, talking about the football side of it, again, I, two ones is a, is rich, but I think that's the asking price, and just like the asking price for a house can be a hundred dollars, but you can negotiate it down to ninety. So. I, I think that that's kind of the way this thing will play out. And I, I honestly, I mean, unless they get a, unless they get two ones for him, I, I don't know what, I mean, just figure it out. How about leadership steps in and handles this with, with Odell and instead of trying to just get rid of the problem because he happens mm-hmm. to be really the only difference maker, big time player on that football team. And let's not forget. Patriots last year at this time basically sent first and third round picks to the Saints for a guy named Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is a really good football player. He's not Odell Beckham. Mel, we keep thinking about first round picks. Oh, they're going to send two ones as if these are top 10 picks. If you were a team in the 20 to 32 range, you're a pretty good football team. You're, you're looking at a player that you think might help put you over the top. Do those first round picks you think, I don't know, maybe I would flip him for a guy like this. In a, in a minute. Uh, this wide receiving core this year wow, yeah, has, a little, down. has a little bit of depth. 
But you think about the top two receivers in this draft are Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore. They're going to go in the 20s. Where'd you mock Calvin Ridley at the other day? 26? Yeah, 26 to Atlanta, and I have DJ Moore, Jacksonville at 29. So there's no top 10 receiver in this draft. There's no top 15 receiver in this draft right now. Odell Beckham, when he is at his best, and all the drama and the antics and everything else is, is, is left at the door, he is a great player, and he is a true, as you say, difference maker. He's 25, I, too. I, I'd He's give 25 up, years old. Yep. I'd give up two ones in a second. If you're the Rams, you're picking 23. Give them the 23rd and give them a pick next year. With, with that team, you're going to be in the 20s again next year. So barring you know catastrophic injuries, maybe Jared Goff gets hurt or something like that. But if they're healthy, they're in the 20s again next year. So that's all you're getting for Odell Beckham is the 23rd pick and the 25th pick. I mean, in two successive drafts, and you're getting Odell Beckham for Jared Goff when you have Cup and those guys. Uh, no, I, I would just like to see him. And, Todd, go back to LSU days with Odell. And I've, I've been talking about this for the last couple of years. He was, there was no drama. With Odell Beckham, he had Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., playing football at LSU, never heard anything that was going on. There was never any of this. And he gets to the Giants, and all of a sudden, he creates his new personality. I'd just say, go Art Monk, Jerry Rice, the great receiver, Julio Jones, A.J. Green. Be professional, be focused, and don't be a distraction. Don't create drama. If he would just do that, he's a Hall of Fame receiver, no doubt about that. But all this other stuff kind of takes away from his greatness on the field and distracts him from being focused totally on what he's doing because there's so many things going on around him. His mind can't just be on one thing because he's got all these other things that are happening revolving about Odell Beckham, what he just did last week or he's going to do down the road. Just play football, and if you do, you're going to be one of the greatest of all time you just you just mentioned Landry they're they're tight you know, those are those two guys are I mean everyone knows they're, they're real close friends they push each other practice every day at LSU they you can see the way they played in games I mean I don't remember two guys with average size going down and, and blocking the way they blocked and taking as much pride in it and just constantly getting on each other about how great one, you know, that block was down the field and, and crackbacks and different things like that. So I know the Rams have been talked about and I know the Browns have been talked about. Jarvis Landry is <laughs> there in Cleveland. Now I know they've got another receiver with, with some other issues too. Can so you imagine it might not... peak version of that group? Gordon. Well, Beckham, listen, I mean, what's, Rams. what's funnier? That, that wide receiver room or, or the, or the Rams roster. If right. you bring in this guy on top of all the, all the other guys they've brought in. But here's the other thing that I, I, I've read. I, I didn't know about it until I read an article. I haven't heard anyone talk about it. The wide receiver coach that they both had at LSU is there with the Browns. Interesting. So that's another thing to keep. Now I don't get it again. The Browns up. have a of a bunch of picks. You got the guy that that drives Odell. I don't know that Odell, you know, if that's where he wants to go from the, from New York to the Cleveland market. But if you got your best friend there, or one of your best friends in the world there, and and a receiver coach that that you know and have a relationship with, if assuming it, that relationship is still solid, it's something to think about. By the way, the the Rams are also interesting, Todd, because. You look around the league, you saw what Seattle did when they weren't paying Russ. You see what da- Dallas is able to do elsewhere on the roster, notably their offensive line when they're not paying Dak. Jared Goff makes money, but he does, he's not making, you know, he's not making Kirk Cousins money. <laughs> so you have a no. little bit of room there to do something with that. Mel, a couple other receivers we've seen traded. Adam Henry, by the way, is his name, the that, receivers coach. Oh, okay. Basically in their prime though, Mel, Randy Moss was traded at 27. Put together another seven, eight really productive years. Uh, Terrell Owens was traded, I believe, at twenty nine thirty. I mean, he's a freak. 
put together another seven or eight years. But to your point, Odell's only 25 years old. Is, is Mel, would you limit it really to be a team that you think is kind of contending? Would you take Cleveland out of the equation if you're John Dorsey? Well, Cleveland hopes to be contending very quickly, and I think they've made so many moves. I mean, they brought 12 players, yeah. 12 new players in. Well, they didn't have the right GM. I think they right. got the right GM now who's had a proven <laughs> track record of success. I think 12 new players brought in. The draft that has the first, the fourth, the 33rd, 35th, all, all these these opportunities out there to add to this personnel base. Uh, yeah, Odell Beckham with Landry there, as Todd said. But it was, remember, uh, you, know, you think about Hollywood. You think about L.A. with, with Odell Beckham and, and the opportunities mm-hmm. out there uh, you know, with that football team. And a quarterback who can make any throw you want, and having Cooper Cup and the others, uh, you know, and, and Todd Gurley and all that talent. Are you kidding me? That would be the ideal spot. And as I said, the two ones—that's not enough. If I'm the Ram, if I'm the uh, Giants, I want more than two ones from the Rams for Odell wow. Beckham. Charms a hard bargain. Yeah, I, I'm not giving you the uh, the 23rd pick and a 25th pick. Which you could the problem is the, the problem is teams know that they're fed up with them. Yeah, and you know? they know, so and they, think, know they got to open their wallet. Probably even before he gets to camp. <laughs> well, you're so fed up, Todd, but I think Gettleman also has made a lot of moves. I mean, this is a team that's brought in 10 new players to this roster. So he's kind of, you know, definitely more than tweaked it. He's, he's changed this roster around. He's made some moves that indicate he wants a win right now. And Eli only has, what do you think? Two more great years? Yeah, I, mean, I get more, it, but he wanted to win, he wanted to win right now. He wanted to win right now in, in, um, in Carolina and he, he, Showed uh, oh, Josh, yeah, Josh Norman, Norman the door. Yeah, but they had all those, and, and there's not many guys in Carolina right. that, that will speak very favorable. And that doesn't mean you know. Listen, the GM doesn't have to be well liked at all. I'm not saying anything right. negative about about Gettleman. I'm just saying he he is known to be a guy that hey, if there's a, an issue here. I, We'll just we'll ship you out of town, right? But he had already won in Carolina. They had gotten to a Super Bowl, so I think when you look at Carolina, they already had to say this is a guy coming in new to a team that he would like to go from the second pick, maybe the twenty fifth pick, and be executive of the year. You get rid of Odell. First of all, Eli Manning without Odell Beckham. What do you have? I mean, now all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, Eli's got two years left to be playing maybe at a, at a decently high level and you're going to take away. And we said, we've been saying, how many? And have you seen the numbers? Have you seen the numbers on Eli without, without Odell him? compared to with him? Bad. I don't have them in front of me, yeah. but they're, they're staggering. Yeah. The difference. That's what I'm saying, Todd. You can't, to me, four, four number one, true number one receivers have gone in the first two rounds of the last seven years. And one of them's Odell Beckham Jr., the other Julio Jones, AJ Green, and then DeAndre Hopkins. That's it. So it's, it's hard to find the points the, the last seven years in the first two rounds have not produced anything but bust like 56 after bust guys after in bust. only four right yeah 56 guys and four true number ones in the last uh, seven years in the first two rounds of the draft so good luck take those first round picks draft receivers history tells us they're not going to be all that good unless you get lucky think about julio and aj they went at top of the draft okay deandre hopkins went at the end of the first round true but the two other guys aj and julio jones went in the top group so you know Again, if I can get Odell Beckham, and I'm the if I'm the Rams, and he says two number ones, which is a number one this year is twenty three. Last time I checked, right, twenty third pick, and a number one next year, I'll make that deal in a second. Yeah, I wouldn't make that deal if I'm. I, I was thinking more on the lines with Cleveland. If I'm talking about maybe the fourth, that's why I said if, if yeah. I'm the Giants, I and want then like thirty three right. or something. But right. for the Rams, yeah, you got to get more than that. For, for the Rams, I, you could be looking at twenty three this year and like. 28 next year. Oh, no doubt. If you give him Odell. So I, whew, I don't, yeah. To Todd's point. That's a deal I would not make for the Giants. If I was the Giants, if I was Gettleman. Todd's point, those stats, 
Without Odell Beckham over the last three seasons, Eli Manning has thrown 14 TDs, 14 picks, gets sacks, gets sacked 5% of the time. His passer rating is 75. His QBR is 40. It's not pretty without Odell. But again, I wanted to point this out because we keep talking. They say two first round picks. All first round picks aren't created the same. The ones Cleveland's sending you ain't the same as the one the LA Rams would be sending you. Guys, the second part of this equation in our trades edition of first draft, what about that number two pick that the Giants have? Is it Mel? You mocked them, Sam Darnold, yesterday. But part of your thinking, obviously, that you guys can't put in there is maybe somebody else is picking in that spot. Todd, if you are in that spot, are you picking your QB? Are you picking your running back? Are you picking your guard? Or are you are you taking a huge price tag to get out of there? If Darnold's there, I'm taking Darnold mm-hmm. because I'm no, not planning on being here for a long time, and I've got to be realistic about Eli. I mean, if he's not there, I'm taking. I'm obviously I'm open for business, <laughs> and I'm trying to take a you know a, get a, a team to like the Bills to give me a huge, uh, you know, a huge package of picks and and go get a bunch of guys because let's face it, the Giants could use three or four quality players from the first couple rounds of this draft, yeah. and that would give them a chance to. And and if not, then I'm I'm staying home and I'm taking I'm taking Saquon. I'm taking Saquon Barkley, and and I know running back can be. A position where we can find him later, but this guy's special. And now I've got a back to take pressure off my offensive line and take pressure off, more importantly, my quarterback, who can protect my quarterback, who can catch balls out of the backfield for my quarterback. I just think, to me, Saquon answers a, a big problem or fills a big void for that uh, Giants football team. Hey, Mel, so I'm the Buffalo Bills. You're Dave Gettleman. I call you and I say, for that number two pick, I'll give you 21, 22, and both my second round picks. What do you say? Well, it'd be 12. It would be 12. Sorry, 12 and 22. 12 and 22. Yeah, 12 and 22. And more than that, obviously, because you're getting the, you're getting a quarterback. You're getting the potentially Josh Allen or Sam Darnold, two guys right. that are one and one A at quarterback right now. They're, they're pretty much equal. So I would say right now, in terms of, of that, yeah, you got two special quarterbacks up there, uh, that, that, are going to be in your demand. mind, Kuiper. In your mind, no. In, in a lot of people's minds. I mean, it's, you were at okay. the program. Yeah, well, okay, I, I, but it's know. not in everyone's mind. I mean, well, the, the Browns could could love Baker Mayfield and think the other three are trash. They could. You can't just. That's a that's a really broad, kind of a wide open statement. There. Well, I don't think a six foot and a half quarterback who's had antics at Oklahoma is going to be the number one pick in the draft. So I I just don't think that's happening. Um, I think in terms of the realistic approach, which is yeah, and some people <laughs> do love Baker Mayfield. The more realistic approach would be that it's not Josh Rosen who's had. Two Two years of injury, and there's others as you brought up numerous times, Todd. The other stuff that is a concern, but Allen, who has done, I don't know what more he can do. I mean, the thing is with Allen, and I'm not. Hey, Allen's got the 56.2. There's nothing about it. If you're going to hold that against him, there's nothing he can do. If you say he can't improve and he has improved, well, then you're not watching what everybody else is watching. So he's made dramatic. This whole deep ball. How many guys in the NFL throw? I would scream every Sunday, Todd. Do I throws the ball deep anymore in this league? Nobody throws the deep ball in this league. 
When did they ever? Yeah. I, I think they should. They don't. They, everything should. Nick Foles does in the Super Bowl now. Yeah, look at Brady. Look at Brady. Uh, where his most his passes go. I mean, just watch these games. They're all short intermediate. That's what they do in this league. So to me, when you throw the ball like he can, you're going to move like he can and have the intelligence and the work ethic that he does. Uh, yeah, the 56.2, I said Stafford's interesting because everybody didn't like Stafford. I heard the same garbage about Stafford. And he was at 57. Now everybody talks about, is he 66 the last three years? Yes, he is. He can't be over 60. Well, he's at 66 the last three years in the NFL. Yeah, Brett Favre was at 52.4, who draws comparisons. That's who Josh Allen draws comparisons. Brett, Brett Favre was at 52.4, coming out of Southern Miss, and he completed, in his last 10 years in the league, nine of the last 10 years in the league, completed over 60% of his passes. 14 years in the NFL, completed over 60% of his passes. So, yeah, I think if you're going to say he can't improve, then I agree. You don't take him. You don't put him in the Darnold mold. But this idea that Darnold's perfect, you got to fix some things with him, too. So this whole thing that Allen's got to be... I agree. I mean, you just went on a massive tangent, well, you, All you, I was you, saying well, was, like, it, was uh, it was a pretty... It was a big blanket well, statement well, my, well, that you made, is, assuming point, that everyone looks at it the same well, way you here's, do. Here's my point. And, this and is, by the yeah. way, I think I think it's Darnold Allen, too. <laughs> well, well here, here's my well, – no, no, let me just make this one comment, and I'll just say this. Watching the pro days, I'm sitting back here at the compound watching this, right? And I'm flipping back. And I'm, the people that had – Feet talking up about, on, the, on the – Yeah, exactly. On the yeah, ottoman, exactly. laying on the couch. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Pumpkin nice. pie and, yeah, exactly. So I'm watching this, and I see people that – didn't like Allen because of the 56.2. We're saying his accuracy and his this. Almost crying when he's throwing these darts out there accurately everywhere. And, you know, it's like, okay, because that didn't support that narrative, that he's going to be inaccurate. You know, he's going to be inaccurate as pro day. He's going to be inaccurate at the combine. He's going to be inaccurate at the senior bowl. He's going to be inaccurate there. He hasn't been. And he's made dramatic improvement since the end. Of, now you say, well, that wasn't, well, go back to the Central Michigan game when he came off a month of inactivity with a shoulder injury that wasn't even 100%, and he lit it up. He was dealing. Yeah, he yeah. was awesome. Yeah, so that first half was especially. Yeah, it was like a shit. Look at the senior bowl game. He comes out in the third quarter. He's dealing it again. Look at the practices, how he improved from Monday when everybody were Tuesday, the Thursday. For, come on. I mean, the, the Wednesday, Thursday. So to me, Todd. Talking about practice. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what they were going by. Hey, let me say this. If, if you don't like say the practices were important if you didn't like them, but if you like them, it, it's just I practice. It. Yeah, that's where everybody, so I'm, I'm just sitting back here being what are objective. We talking about? I'm just trying to be objective and sit back here with no, nobody that, that I, I'm trying to push over another, just trying to look at it objectively and saying, it's interesting to hear how everybody wants to have things support their narrative. This is where and we that, got that's to when I to. asked if Mel right. would trade the number two pick. Yeah, and my point yeah. is, again, how the hell did we get here, Kuiper? <laughs> because you were writing off a Another guy who I think is deserving. I'm not of being writing up there. anyone off. I have I have him as the number two quarterback, just behind just behind Darnold, ahead of Rosen, Hater. ahead of ahead of Baker Mayfield. Well, who was bringing up Take Mayfield as the number type? one pick? That there's more guys. You're the one. Saying I was it, Jay. I was saying I there might be someone out there who does. Well, I not. Right. Hey, I didn't. Hey, I didn't yeah, say it take, like get a, some pumpkin pie, bro. I'm just trying to be real here, Mel. Here's my question on the all trades edition. Featuring Odell. <laughs> Who else? Where else in the top five or early on, maybe even in the top ten, could we see a team right. move? Teams are getting used to moving. They're comfortable moving. They have their draft charts out. They well, know keep how in to mind. do it. Where yeah. else could we see movement? Let's all keep in mind. They're not telling us what they like. Do you know the draft board's tied of the top five teams I and what it looks like? No, I mean, no. you know, do we don't know? We're just speculating. Draft you know, this whole stuff ago. about who's going to trade up, trade down, we don't know who they're targeting. Uh, you know, free agency has obviously impacted a lot of this and it's almost over now, but uh, you know, we don't know how their quarterback board sets up. Is it, is it, Darnold Allen, Allen Darnold, is it Mayfield in there? Is Rosen in there? We don't know that. I think it's interesting that the like, I can I tell you a few teams, I could tell you mm-hmm. with fairly decent confidence, a few teams out there who like 
this guy a little bit more than that guy, or it's coming down to, you know, Darnold versus Allen, and, you know, they've kind of moved on from the concept of, of Rosen and Mayfield, stuff like that. But by no means is there any team out there that we know, you know, specifically who their one guy is. And well, by the, most the way, teams, these teams you're not need picking one, it doesn't matter. This work. Yeah, really and, and if you're not if you're not picking at number one, it it doesn't matter who you, your one guy is because he if he goes one, then then you better have your number two. And Todd, you had said this. We've said this for years. Quarterbacks, by the time we get to late April, are going up high. They're going up high. That's just the way it is. Yep. They're going to be. They're going to. The days of them sliding back isn't happening. These guys are all getting pushed up. Oh, you know. And then they're all saying that you can't do that, but you always do. And in terms of the of the Jets, the Jets gave up three starters. We, I think, we would agree that's three starters they gave up to go from six to three. Right? That's three second yep. round picks. They should be started, and they're, they're be, early yeah. twos. Okay, they're they're prime picks. So that's three starters to. Go up from six to three to get the third best quarterback in a group where everybody's polarized on these quarterbacks. I find that very yeah. interesting that well, they, they think the third best one. quarterback is good enough for them to give up three starters for the Jets. The Jets now, okay? The Jets are going to have three starters to go up three spots and get the third best quarterback in this draft. I think the to Jets. To that point, I think if I had if, if I ahead. had to bet money on any team moving anywhere, it would be. The Bills moving to number two. That's feel like I, that's what I led this segment off with. But Mel yeah, took, me down, uh, took me down Allen Alley. Yeah, we we went up on on Stafford and Brett Favre for 20, fifteen minutes, <laughs> twenty two and twelve to get to number two. I like how McShay throws that bait out there. I grab it and then he rips me. Okay, exactly. Um, yeah, so but that, that's I mean. Based off of conversation I had last week at USC and, and Wyoming with, with a bunch of guys in the league, it, it, there's a lot of writing on the wall that, that that deal could happen. But, again, until it happens, you've you got to assume that it's not and, and move forward. But I, I think they're the most likely team to move up, and I think the Cardinals would love to move up. I just don't know that they, they have the, the firepower to do it. Bills and have how the much ammo. They, they there's have no question. Up. Yeah, and the one thing I think that we have to make the point of here, the one, and I said this on SportsCenter yesterday, don't ask me about who's most NFL ready. That term doesn't mean a thing now. It means yeah, we nothing. say it every year, and then yeah, the guy who who's cares? least NFL ready yeah. winds up starting. Yeah, and yeah who cares? I mean, it, it, who knows? You know what? You know who's NFL the ready. you know who's the most NFL ready? The guy who goes to the place that has the best supporting cast and or the the best coaching staff that was able to to get everything you know prepared for this person to learn the specific way he's supposed to learn and and have the verbiage the way that it's going to work for him. Well, you know? by the way, I mean, I mean that's what it is. Deshaun Watson was a classic case last year, Todd, where you saw. That they, they literally sat down with a kid and said, okay, pull out the Clemson tape. This worked, this worked, this worked, this worked. These are the things that we can get into place. I mean, you can be NFL ready if you're pulling, if you're pulling the kid's best stuff out of his college offense. You can be yeah, NFL Tom, ready right Tom, away. Tom Savage, Mike Lennon, and Alex Smith were the quarterbacks of the three, ahead of the three that went high. Okay. All were traded up to get. Glennon didn't get it done. Trubisky came in. Savage didn't get him. Watson comes in. Well, Alex Smith was quarterback all year. Mahomes didn't sat, sat and watched. This is going to be a draft, probably in a, in a quarterback draft, where it's the, it's back the way it used to be in the '60s, '70s, '80s, where a quarterback like Steve Deberg was in Denver when John Elway was there. Deberg was better as a rookie as uh, when Elway was a rookie. Deberg was better. The veteran was better than the rookie. And then you look at Steve Walsh and Aikman. Walsh initially in preseason looked better. So my point is, all these guys, if they go to these teams we're talking to. 
you have Tyrod Taylor, you have Eli Manning, you have McCown and Bridgewater, you have Case Keenum, you have Sam Bradford, you have quarterbacks in place with all these teams where NFL ready for these rookies does not matter. It's not uh, something that you should even discuss because by now you can say, well, Wentz was supposed to be redshirted and Bradford got hurt. Yeah, that happens. Things have best laid plans sometimes uh, go awry. But on paper right now, these quarterbacks will be afforded the opportunity to have the three words we've thrown out there, the old cliche, sit, watch, and learn. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, to cap this off, I mean, I remember Carson Palmer went 1-1, did not take a snap in that season, Carson Palmer had played four years at USC, um, had finished on a high note, NFL ready in terms of, you know, physical prototype out of that offense, didn't play a snap. John Kitna got every single snap in Cincy. To Mel's point, these teams have insulated themselves um, across the board, really. Bradford's knee notwithstanding, I would never call that insulation, but they really have done that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you could see a bunch of quarterbacks – we keep saying they're going to play these guys early in some ways so they can reap the benefits of playing a guy, knowing what they have, and not spending a lot of money on them so they can throw it elsewhere. But uh, it'll be really interesting to see. I think I, I actually believe some of the thinking around the Browns when they say they don't want to play their rookie starter. I actually buy that, uh, but we'll see what happens. We're going to hit a break here real quick, and then we are going to jump into an NFC West that looks Way different now than 365 days ago. 49ers, Cardinals, Seahawks, and Rams. Man, the division is upside down from where we are just a year ago today. We're going to get into each of those teams after the break. The San Francisco 49ers. The San Francisco 49ers, based on the votes of our esteemed panel of voters, many of them NFL experts, Yesterday we put out Define the NFL. an NFL expert for me, please. Uh, I'm talking into a microphone right now, Todd. I'm about to ask you a question. Uh, okay, go ahead. NFL expert Chris Brown <laughs> to ask Todd. <laughs> One of your funnier lines ever. Good San job, Francisco Brown. 49ers were voted the number 11 team in the NFL power rankings post-free agency. Do you buy that this team is this good, Todd? I mean, already number 11. We're talking about the 49ers who basically couldn't win for the first two months of last season as one of the top 15 teams in baseball. <laughs> baseball. <laughs> top 15 teams can you, in football. Can you tell this guy's got a little one at home? Happening, uh, happy opening day. Josh has got all yeah, these uh, baseball games going in the studio. But uh, San Francisco 49ers, Todd, how should they be drafting? I mean, like every team, draft the, the best available player that comes close to filling a, a – position void you possibly can I think on the defensive side that they're you know linebackers an area I think they can improve I I think cornerback position is is an area they certainly could improve I I don't know Mel I I, at one point I thought Denzel Ward had a chance to get there I I don't know that he does I think the the way he worked out in addition to his tape I've thought this guy since September was the best corner in the in the class Mm and and those workouts just if and if nothing else, they solidified what you see on tape. So uh, that's another area. But when you look at this roster, is yes, they they finish so strong. Everyone thinks that they're going to pick up where they left off. That remains to be seen. But they need some playmakers. I think around. I know they brought in Jarek McKinnon, but I think you can 
probably get an upgrade at the at the tight end position. I think you could get another wide receiver that could be, become a weapon, a young guy with Garoppolo. And and I don't, you know, I would take a hack at a running back a little bit later as well. I, I think finding some weapons around Garoppolo and don't settle for what you have right now, assuming just because things went well at the end of the last year, that these same guys are going to wind up being big big time producers. Yeah, it's all about Garoppolo. It's what Chris was talking about and how Vegas and how everybody's going to view the 49ers. Uh, it's all about Jimmy Garoppolo and the way they finished and how good he can possibly be. But wide receiver, it's not going to be one that early. Um, you know, it, Minka Fitzpatrick, you mentioned Ward. I have Ward going to Tampa Bay at seven. And now they could take, you know, it's a safety, but they could also look at Ward. Hargraves has been a disappointment. So I think go back to that corner. Their secondary desperately needs a guy. They've added all those pieces the Buccaneers have, uh, in terms of the defensive line. Like they've reconstructed the entire defense the front basically with McCoy still there. So I think Tampa Bay getting that corner like Ward would maybe allow Minka Fitzpatrick to be there for the 49ers, that versatile DB, that playmaker that maybe they would take at that point. They have bigger issues too because they have they got to get Reuben Foster straightened out. So once they get that all issue, he was going to be the centerpiece of their defense. He looked like he had the ability to be that kind of player. He's got to uh, you know, obviously stay focused on the job at hand and become that great player they hope he can be. So they have some issues to work out there, but I think Minka Fitzpatrick could get there to nine for them. I'll tell you what, it's tricky to be there at nine, uh, just to wrap this up. Pierre Garcon's 31. I mean, they kept Marquise Goodwin around, but Jarek McKinnon is your lead back. It's not like there's going to be, you know, obviously they're not going to be taking a running back there unless miraculously Saquon Barkley's around. Uh, and then obviously wide receiver looks like something you could really use, but you don't, you don't want to take one of these guys at nine. So the Niners. Well, Niners could send the ninth pick in a first round pick next year to the, uh, Giants for Odell Beckham. There we go. That's what I was waiting for. Mel took the bait. The other thing too, just to kind of wrap it up, when you, you look at where they're sitting at that number nine spot, hey, if the player they want is, is available, if it's a if Ward or if it's Minka, whoever they want at that number nine spot, great. If not, it'll be interesting if one of these quarterbacks does fall. Let's say Baker Mayfield gets past Denver at five and, and, you know, is, is sitting there at number nine. Miami, a lot of, I mean, it's either the worst kept secret or just a lot of buzz for no reason, but there's a lot of talk about Miami's love for, for Baker. Uh, you know, would Arizona then get in the mix to try to move up? That could be a, an area of the draft that we see it. Another trade moving up for a quarterback if a guy like Baker were there. And, and then you, if you move back, then you take a running back maybe later, later in the first or a wide receiver, which would make more sense. Like a Calvin Ridley, if you could get him at 15, if you'd swap with Arizona or even at 12, if, you know, you'd feel a lot better about that picking up an additional pick and, and using that 12th pick on Ridley, maybe a little higher than you wanted, but at least you're getting an additional pick for it. The Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals have a combination of Sam Bradford and Mike Glennon at the quarterback position. One guy that just flat out hasn't been able to stay healthy and one guy that flat out just has just been inconsistent uh, in terms of accuracy and ball placement and really everything uh, at the quarterback position. And Glennon, since uh, an interesting rookie start uh, with Tampa Bay where I think he had 19 TDs and 9 INTs to start as a rookie year, but bottom line, quarterback position's not settled, and this roster got old pretty fast. Uh, if Larry Fitzgerald wasn't back, whew, what would we be talking about wide receiver here, guys? Kobe Hamilton, J.J. Nelson. Um, obviously, they expect David Johnson to be back, but Mel, 
At number 15, yesterday you mocked Lamar Jackson to the Cardinals. A Louisville Cardinal becomes an Arizona Cardinal. Could you see that happening? Or to Todd's point earlier, is this the team that we should look for trying to get up? I don't know if they have the ammo to get to number two, but trying to get up. Yeah, they may try. I think Lamar Jackson, certainly for they or them or Buffalo, I think would be if Buffalo can't get up into that second spot to get the Darnold Allen scenario going. And then they would be interested, I think, possibly in Lamar Jackson, where, again, you have an opportunity there, hopefully, to be a developmental quarterback. Uh, like Mahomes has been in Kansas City. Now, Bradford, the issue there is health, and Glennon can even play at a high level. And their offensive line, even though they added Pew and they have Smith uh, and Humphreys is back, that offensive line's got to come through for Bradford. And that's some, and you got Johnson coming off the injury. And wide receiver's a big, big question. That offense looks very shaky on paper right now uh, with Bradford or whoever. So I don't know. You're a young quarterback going to Arizona. You better be ready to play. So, uh, you know, it looks good going in, but can Bradford go through 16 games healthy time? History tells us no. I'll take the under. I mean, that's the whole the whole issue because when he's been healthy, he's played at a relatively high level, and that's the the thing that keeps on getting him paid. I mean, <laughs> the amount of money this dude has made in his pro career for as you know few returns as he's been able to offer is remarkable. But it just speaks to how important the position is, and that if they if you can keep him healthy for a full season. Which again, he hasn't been able to do, but if, if it ever happens, you, you wind up getting a, a good return on your investment. So, you know, this team has, has spent a good deal of, of resources re- recently on the draft. 14, Dayon Buchanan and, and Kareem Martin were, were two of the three early picks. 15, they went offensive tackle with, um, Humphreys, but then Marcus Golden, they, they went, uh, in the second round. Then they went, uh, Kimdiche. And Brandon Williams with their first two picks to DB and, and then, and then their first two picks last year with Hassan Reddick, who was disappointing. And then, uh, Buda Baker, who had a, a good year, especially in special teams, but two defensive players. So this, this is what happens when you spend a lot of your early resources in the draft on one side of the ball and they needed to. But when you do that, and then if you miss on a couple guys, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're deficient in an area. And I, I think clearly they're deficient in their offensive skill positions outside of, of David Johnson. And we talk about Larry Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald's not the player he once was. And Fitzgerald is, is aging and he's coming towards the end. And this isn't a team that, in my opinion, is ready to go win a Super Bowl this year. So Fitzgerald and yeah, it's great to have him, but it's part of this big, the bigger picture with Arizona. You got to be looking two, three years down the road, and Fitzgerald is just can't be part of the plan. So they've they've got to get some playmakers here. The Seattle Seahawks. For the last handful of years, even going beyond that, we've talked about well, Seattle just needs to get this offensive line fixed because everything else is in place. They have the quarterback, and obviously they have this great defense. Give 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 Seattle credit, Mel. They just said, well, hey, we're not going to. We can see we're getting old on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to go ahead and make these moves now before it's too late. Um, some of them for some of them just because of a combination of injuries and other things. But Richard Sherman's gone. Michael Bennett's gone. We don't know what's going to be Cam Chancellor's status. And there's still talk out there that if they get a if they get a ransom for him, Earl Thomas could be gone. I don't expect that, but we'll see. Bottom line, defense dramatically different. Old in a couple spots. Is that where you're? Is that where you're looking first here, Mel? Yeah, I think you look at the cornerback position. You look at the offensive line. Will that group be good enough? And they've obviously been fairly active in free agency with a lot of guys who are 
okay or somewhat disappointing where they were, uh, you know, to step in to, to roles there. This is a, a tough team to evaluate. Uh, I gave them Josh Jackson, the cornerback from Iowa. They like length at corner. He provides that and, and playmaking ability with all the interceptions and the ball skills. I, I just look at Seattle as a team in kind of a little bit in transition now. Is the offensive line going to be good enough the way it's kind of being restructured? Um, a lot of guys that were there are now moving on. Some of the faces of this team during their, their Super Bowl run, they won one and should have won two, but lost on that final play. So they got one Super Bowl win out of all that. That was the, that was the glory years. And now all of a sudden they're trying to I think, recapture that, Todd, and they got a, a ways to go before they can. Yeah, I think the offensive line continues to be an issue. I mean, DJ Fluker, they, they bring in, but that's, that doesn't shore up the entire group, in my opinion. Probably not. I think they need a running back. I think they need a, another edge rusher. And I think they could use another, another corner, too. So there's a lot of different areas they could go. And at that, at that point, and you're just, it's clearly a, a huge projection at, at that point. But the offensive tackle class, I don't know if there's going to be an offensive lineman there that you feel great about. Um, I think there there should be corners, whether it's it's uh, Josh Jackson or Mike Hughes, one of those guys you mentioned, edge rusher, probably not going to be there. So, you know, they they could be in a, an interesting spot if it's if it's not a cornerback. I just uh, they may be reaching for another position or just taking a position that they they believe a player that they believe is of value at a position that maybe isn't a, one of their bigger needs. But it, this is a big draft for them. Make no mistake, I mean, John Schneider, I think the world of, and he's had some of the great drafts in, in, in recent NFL history, and they've had some of the great, you know, later round picks, third round and beyond. But in the last few years, they've not gotten a great return on, on draft investment, if you will. And I think as they, as they try to transition, the word you're using, Mel, it's really critical that they hit on a handful of the guys that they're able to draft this year in this uh, 2018 class. The Los Angeles Rams. Todd, the Los Angeles Rams uh, have some guys that can go steal it from you in the secondary with Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib. Interior of the defensive line, they have a true game wrecker in Aaron Donald and a guy that's still quietly can can cause some problems there. And in Dominican Sue, Michael Brock is obviously behind that. The thing I'm interested in and that Wade Phillips always had in Denver because Von Miller was there is that guy coming off the edge that helps create some of those turnovers, some of those errant passes, is quietly, I know wide receiver is going to be talked about, Sammy Watkins obviously no longer around, but is pass rusher stand out to you for the Los Angeles Rams? Yeah, it could be one of the areas, certainly. I mean, it, it helps when you've when you got Marcus Peters and Keeb Tlaib. Your, your pass rush doesn't have to be as good as everybody else's, but um, – and – you know, when you have the best interior pass rusher in all of football. But I think you're speaking to edge rusher, and clearly that's an area that they yes. they can upgrade. But, I mean, this team is just loaded. I, I love Les Snead, the general manager. I think he's a great guy. More importantly great to this, he's, he, yeah, he's got great hair. He's like, kind of like the rebel surfer dude of the of the GMs, and, and some people don't like that because they like everyone in a little box and conform to what everyone wants. <laughs> but I love what he's done with this roster. They've been drafting well for a while. They finally have a coaching staff that is able to take advantage of what they've done from a personnel standpoint for several years. And they, and most importantly, with the quarterback and what they've gotten. So they feel Aaron Donald's – I remember talking to the Pittsburgh – uh, Panther staff. They said they've never been around a football player with a better work ethic who is a better leader. And I think having the presence of Donald there uh, 
allows them to make some of these moves with Peters and Talib, who are two just absolute madmen. And Indomitian Sue, who's not a bad guy at all and will play pretty hard, but it just, you know, he's about the money and, and everything else that you know you hear about them. So I think on the offensive side of the ball, they, they've got young leadership, but they're in a really solid place. And, you know, if they bring in Odell Beckham, then I think that they're confident that they have a good enough nucleus of, of good dudes and hard practice players and all that, that, that they'll be fine. And they've shown that in, in, in their recent moves. I mean, they brought in Sue, Peters, and Tlaib. Are you kidding me? That's and an now they've season. got – They've got a girly and a young quarterback that's that's clicking, and I know you know the system helped him out. But the system's going to be the same system again this year, you know. So I, I, there's no reason to believe that he's going to have this massive drop, you know, drop off to what he was his rookie year. So I, they're they're a weapon or two away from having one of the most complete rosters in the entire NFL if they're not already there right now. You know, uh, Mel uh, Todd calls out less need for having great hair and kind of being a surfer dude. He doesn't give you any credit for having great hair and being a kayaker. You're out there on the Chesapeake. I am out on the bay with the, uh, but at the, hair, the great hair days are long gone. So oh, it's, it's now it's bad hair. But as far as uh, or, or not what it was hair, but um, <laughs> in terms of the in terms of the Rams, say it ain't so. <laughs> in terms it is so. In terms of the Rams. Uh, yeah, you think about. Are we in a transition <laughs> phase, Kyber? No, we are not. <laughs> we are not. Like well, the, are you like the Seahawks? Well, the Seahawks of hair. Clip yeah, this yeah, one. Yeah. I am definitely. R.I.P. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Chris Long, <laughs> Quinn, Ogletree, Trumaine Johnson. Some of those pieces from before are gone. So now you get the new pieces in with some of the old pieces remaining in place, and the one constant being Aaron Donald. And now you get. You get the veteran corners coming in, in addition to uh, a guy like uh, the Tlaib, and you said Peter Shields as well, and you bring in uh, you know, some other options as well, like Wilson at inside linebacker and Sue. I think Leighton Vanderish from Boise State would fit with the direction they're going, speed, athleticism, versatility. He has that inside-outside capability. He's got incredibly long arms with that height. Uh, I mean, he tested great. He was productive, six four and a quarter, two fifty six, with incredibly long arms, four six five five speed, good strength, outstanding athleticism, almost a forty vertical. That's the kind of kid at that point now. Uh, Leighton Vanderish from Boise State would come into play for a team like the Rams. All right, guys, I'm never going to get over that last segment. Um, we got some mail here. Holy cow, it's piled up high. I even had somebody uh, tweeting at me this week that if I answered his question, he, he, put, he put in a five-star rating. I got to find that one. I might have to answer it. I might call him at home. All right. Mel, you're going to have to answer this one. It's your Uh-oh. guy. Ratings up, by the way. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Yep. Big, what was it, 109% Kuiper? What That's happened? what I heard. Your hair's not, your hair's not failing us. What's really People love the new look. Luckily, what? luckily they can't see it. That's why we have the radio. Yeah, TV maybe us. that's <laughs> why. Maybe they just prefer to, to hear you and not see you anymore. Exactly. Face. It's always been, always been that way. I've been better off with that happening. A face and hair for podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Guys, Mel, you're going to have to radio answer this podcast. one because we haven't had a ding yet. Fantasy okay. Football Canadians. <laughs> Sorry, that's the handle. <laughs> At FCC Pod, God, that's amazing. It's like Kramer from Seinfeld. He only watches Canadian football. As Buzz builds for DJ Moore from, is there a realistic chance that he is the first wide receiver off the board on night one? Mel, yes, there is, and I think yes, there certainly is. And at any time you are as productive as he was, and you have versatility, and you're six foot two ten, and you have tremendous speed. 
and you have incredible athleticism. That's the one thing we talked about with Camaro last year, the great vertical and the great broad jump. In addition to that, Moore's got 4-4 speed. And he had a th- almost a 40 vertical and 11 broad. So when you, and it's not just a workout warrior. That means a guy that's not productive, drops balls, but he's got great speed. Like Darius Hayward Bay, remember Alexander Wright, a lot of the speed merchants that aren't consistent catching the football. He's played in bad weather. He's played with four different quarterbacks. He's real. McShay has, has brought him back to, to where he should be or up to where he should be. Uh, Cause I know McShay's going to consider him for his first round, but now certainly DJ Moore is deserving of all his I had attention. Him in first round like getting. two months ago, but I don't, I, I I didn't know that. Uh, but, <laughs> I know you uh, yeah, you acted like you didn't, so you lied to me again. But um, <laughs> when you were debating me on DJ Moore, because that, was that wasn't real. I, I told you I hadn't seen enough of him, and I just well, thought it was were funny. You during you were the year pro- on the sidelines too much? Yeah, we didn't have any Maryland games, Kuiper. <laughs> you got to get out to a Towson game, Todd. See if uh, you and Greasy and your crew can do that next year. All right. Uh, let me see here. This is an interesting one. Todd, try to go under 10 minutes for this one because it's really tricky. Joe at work, Joe at work 87 asks, what role does age play in your evaluation? Does a 19-year-old Trey Edmonds appear more valuable than a 23-year-old Calvin Ridley, Todd? Um, not necessarily. I think when you get like the former baseball players that are 26, 27, you have to factor it in. But generally speaking, forget about me, generally speaking, GMs are looking, and it's not always the right thing to do, but they're, they're looking for the next, what can we get from the first contract and we'll figure it out from there. Right. And that generally is the rule. And that applies to injuries as well. All right. Hayden Giller at Hayden. Is that quick one, enough? Two, three, that was great. One, two, three, four. G asked, Mel, if all the cards were to fall right, who has the highest ceiling? Harold Ranley, Harold Landry. Well, you want to start the sentence over? BC, Marcus Davenport, or Bradley Chubb? Oh, okay. I thought he had a player we haven't even heard about yet. <laughs> he was no. bringing into the equation. Yeah. It's like, who? Okay. Scrolling through my <laughs> Google Doc yeah. right now. Yeah. Who the heck is Sprout coming up with now? Uh, another Eric Swan. Um, I, I think of that group. Well, you, you really just don't throw Chubb in. Chubb's in that uh, that top echelon. He's one of the two, three best players in this draft. So I think Bradley Chubb, for the way he produced, the way he tested, uh, he would be the guy. Uh, now, if you go to Davenport or Landry, then you say Davenport does. You know, he played on his feet so much. Uh, he played with his hand on the ground, but on his feet the majority of the time. So to me, I think you look at Davenport uh, as a guy. Landry, two years ago, you would have said, but this year he was quiet, not up to the level expected. So, yeah, Chubb would be number one. I'd put Davenport two, and I'd put uh, Landry three. Kuiper, for anyone who's crazy enough to listen to this long of a podcast, you got to tell that story because I bet you 70, 80% of the audience doesn't even know the Eric Swan story. I remember I was a, I was a kid-ish, like teenager <laughs> maybe, or Cardinals. like nine, yeah. sitting in my mom's van when she went into shopping, listening, may have been you or whoever was doing the radio, listening to the draft and, and them telling the story. And I'm from Boston, the Boston area, and I remember he, he was from around here, I believe. But tell that story. He went to NC State. He was originally NC State. Then he ended up at a semi-pro football team and came into the whole draft process. And I remember seeing footage of him at a very low level and just this remarkable talent. And I thought, hey, this guy could go top 10 maybe and talk to people in the league. And I remember there were people that were debating me on this and saying that he wouldn't go until the late first round if he even went in the first round. How can you take this guy? Never did anything at the major college level. Semi-pro guy. And, you know, and semi-pro is kind of 
a joke. No offense to anyone who played, but like it's kind of what, what, it's like say, older older guys getting together playing. What did say? Like amateur football. Yeah. <laughs> How's that? Amateur. Yeah. No. Football? No. I know, but it's yeah. semi pro. Se- yeah. It sounds a lot well, better than it is. You are a step away from the NFL. <laughs> you're right. You're about 12. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it was a little bit of a lower level of competition, maybe the lowest for that. But uh, he ended up going very high to the Cardinals and had a really good career. So uh, it was a case where uh, a guy that uh, didn't know a lot about became a big name, ended up going high, and just wasn't a, a workout guy and a guy that looked good and had potential. He showed the, uh, the you know, <laughs> had potential. He showed that he could play in this league at a very high level. All right, Todd, Michael at the Raiders' Edge. Wanted to ask this one, gets a guy who we had some questions about him back in the mix here. Who is a better fit for the Raiders? Mo Hurst, Maurice Hurst, defensive tackle from Michigan. You saw plenty of him. Or Vita Vea, big, athletic, freaky defensive tackle from Washington. Fit for the Raiders? They're very different players, and I think – Hurst, while I, I like him a lot, you know, Hurst is your classic three technique. Vea is going to be more of he can he, he's versatile. You can use him kind of as a nose tackle, a three four defensive end. You can move him around, but basically he's going to dominate versus the run, and he's only really offering power. Even though he runs well for his size, it, that's still he's not you know he's not Hurst in terms of the the quick penetration and, and you know lateral movement changing directions, those sorts of things. So they're very different players. I think if you're talking about value, though, Hurst, before the heart issue came up, and I know he's been cleared medically, so it'll be interesting as we get closer to the draft to see how many teams have failed him versus how many teams have put it back on the board right where he was. If he goes right where he was, I I always thought, Mel, he was a late first-rounder. There are some guys in the league who think he's more of a third-rounder. So it kind of just depends on your viewpoint. But Vita Vea, I would say the the majority or consensus is he's a top-20 pick and, and could go somewhere in that range of the Raiders. Yeah, and I think the guy that is the most intriguing defensive tackle is Taven Bryan from Florida. Uh, yeah, here's yeah, a guy. Explosive. Unbelievable. You go to the Texas A&M game, watch the tape of that. You see top five caliber talent. And this whole J.J. Watt comparison is based strictly on numbers. It's not based on productivity. J.J. Watt was productive and dominant. Taven Bryan right. flashed and had no, very limited production for a kid who is 6'5". Well, he, he explodes pounds. out of his stance Ugh. as fast as anyone I, I can remember, but then he doesn't know what to do with it. So I, I think he's... For me, Haven Bryan, if he gets with the right defensive line coach and and picks things up, he may struggle as a rookie. But I think second, third, fourth year, this guy, if in the right situation, could wind up being a really dis- disruptive force in the inside. And to that point, did you see his ten yard time from the combine, Todd? I mean, I mean oh, it was stupid, right? Yeah, I mean, it was. He's two hundred ninety-one pounds. He was doing better than the, the, the linebackers. And he had a 30, 30 bench, which you know, he's enormously strong, incredibly strong, thirty-five vertical. Ran four nine eight and had that tremendous ten yard time. Now you say why? Yeah, the one six one six eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was remarkable considering you're not talking about two hundred ninety two hundred ninety five pound defensive tackle. So I look at him and say, boy, he flashed it. Can you coach him? That's why they have coach before their name. It's the thirty two best defensive line coaches in the world. Take this guy and and mold him into a big time player. He's flashed it. He could. He's shown you that he can. Um, you know, he's the I think the guy you say boom or bust. Roll the dice and take a shot. You know, Taven Bryant. I've been going to Detroit right now. We'll see if he gets down that far, but it's Vita Vea or Deron Payne is a traditional inside guy. Taven Bryan's kind of the wild card, so uh, he's a first-rounder. It's just a question of how high do you want to push him up the board. Boomer bust, roll the dice, take a shot. Mel, you get to finish this out mm-hmm. at Dream Villain 12. Great handle yep. there, bro. With the Ravens signing 
the Ravens signing Crabtree this offseason. Do you still see them potentially going wide receiver in the first round? Maybe too rich? What do you think? John Brown and Crabtree come in. Remember, it was going to be Ryan Grant, then then they end up moving on from him to Trent Crabtree. So Crabtree, John Brown, does that solidify it? Uh, Probably not. Uh, I think it gives you hope that maybe you have Crabtree a year or two left and Brown can stay healthy and revert back to the great form he had shown early in his career at Arizona. I just don't know if there's a receiver, Todd, to take at 16. Uh, You know, Do you push D.J. Moore up that high, Ridley that high with his lack of explosive testing? Uh, Or do you take the right tackle, the plug-and-play, right tackle, and I gave them Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame, who showed a couple years ago he could be an elite right tackle. That's what they need. They don't need a left tackle. They have Ronnie Stanley. So you go away from Colton Miller, and Colton Miller is a fast-rising guy, really good player at UCLA this year, and he has great upside, and I have him going Mm, in the first round to the Bengals. He's okay. He's great upside. Well, he's got great feet. Great six, eight and a half with great feet, and he's tested out stronger. I'll take him. I guess he's Josh Allen to you on the offensive line. You don't like him either. Uh, <laughs> so, so you don't like Colton Miller. We know that. Uh, McGlinchey. No, I don't, I don't like Colton Miller's tape at all. I like Josh Allen. You're gonna, you're gonna try to drive this home and it's not gonna work. Right, I'm, okay. I'm a big Josh Allen fan. Well, I kind of like Colton Miller's tape. I don't know what games we were watching, but we'll debate that on draft day. But McGlinchey the Baltimore, would you have a problem with that? It's high, man. It's high. I think I think he's a really solid. I think he's smart. I, I think you're getting a really good leader. I know his interviews are off the charts and all that stuff, but he's he, he's good. He's not great. I think at 16, you're looking for more closer to great. Well, he's not a left but, tackle. We know that. So you go back when he was yeah. a right tackle, you know, and that's what you want. That you want a guy can be a plug and play right tackle immediately. Yeah, it wouldn't shock team. me. Tackles tackles go early and usually go earlier than they should because you know what. Every year it's the same thing. When they run out, they, it goes dry. I mean, it's amazing. I have this chart here right in front of me. Not that anyone in the world cares about this, but tackles. We've had we tackles had a chart, like four. We have an average of four in the first round the last three years, an average of three in the second round, and then it goes to one, two, one, one. I mean, they just dry out quickly. Todd, if DJ Moore – from Maryland goes to the Baltimore Ravens at 16. Mel oh, might show puke. up. Mel on Friday when you guys are on the set together, Mel might be wearing an Orioles hat and a Johnny Unitas jersey. Hey, by the way, McShay's going to be, be on amazing. the day one. McShay's going to be on the day one set this year. He's going to be right there with us, so uh, right around us. I'll walk off of that set. I'll leave the magic touch now, screen. Goes, I'll look at Todd's going to have his. Todd's, Todd's, he's so big now, guys. He's going to have his own Todd. desk. Todd's going to have his own desk the, on day one. He's going to have his own desk sitting there. By himself, okay, just with the touch screen. Yeah, just and I'll look over at McShay if that happened. I'll see a little tear coming down the side of his face. A little tear, you know, he'll be crying over there when all the guys that Colton Miller goes and he'll be ripping Colton Miller's tape and I'll show really great. Oh, Colton, Colton Miller's Miller. gonna go. I understand this. I, but but call me in three years, bud. Did you have him in your last first right round projection, down. Colton Miller? I don't know. You don't know. I honestly don't. I don't know. Did you? I'm asking know. you. I don't, me- I don't memorize my mock, mock drafts like you did. Oh. Um, no, I did not. I did All not. Right, I you had, will this time. You will I had McGlinchey. No, no, not a chance. McGlinchey. <laughs> now, yeah, now, now the true callers come out. I am not a Colton Miller fan. Period. All right. You just said, you just said you're going to have Colton Miller in the first round. I said, no, I do. No, I, I said you he said might he's go. Going in the, you said he's going in the first round. I said he'll go, meaning like he's right, going to go pretty early. He, if he'll go, why wouldn't you mock him in the first? Out of you spite like to you, no. Kuiper. It's not about your yeah, ratings. Yeah, out of spite, out of spite, spite to you. I'd be willing. I'd, I'd be willing. I'd be willing to give up one one correct player really in the first that. round. 
just to uh, just to bother. I know you. you've done it before. You have a track record of doing this, so you have a. Of course, of I will. This. I know. Because <laughs> my favorite thing is you'll, you'll walk into that green room. You'll where's, where's your mock? Let me see your mock. You know, and you go through. Every, yep, I can see that. Yep, 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 yep. Right, where's Colton Miller? Where's Colton Miller? Eh, I just don't. I don't like him though. What do, you, what do you mean you don't like him? Uh, I just don't. I don't think he belongs in the first round. But you know he's going to go, right? Yeah, probably he's going to probably go in the first round. So what are you doing? And that'll be our conversation for three hours. <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, Josh, I know this podcast has to come to an end. So go ahead, clip the last twenty minutes, and just send it to the National Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Just just pop it right in there. Should be good. Guys, uh, we hit trades starting with Odell, and then it pretty much went off the rails from there. Otherwise, I think it was pretty good. Thoughts, Mel? <laughs> See you next thoughts. week. Maybe, yeah. maybe we're minus 109% after this instead of plus 109%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there goes all the ratings. Jeez. <laughs> we just went back down. All right. Well, join us next week on First Draft. Um, at that point, I might have come up with a good outline. For Mel, Todd, I'm Chris. That's First Draft for this week. Uh, we'll do it again soon. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash podcenter.